0: Welcome to Music for Life, enhancing the Armstrong concert experience. I'm your host, Ryan Malone. In today's episode, we will explore the art of singing as a legitimate and important activity and even career for men. We will do this by looking at amazing historical accounts from the biblical record. To accompany our discussion, we will listen to some great examples of male ensemble singing from standard music history. So stick around as we explore how real men sing today on Music for Life. I think my favorite commercial that I've seen in a long time is a BP gasoline ad. It starts with three gruff-looking servicemen getting into their work van. When the engine starts, the radio is on, playing a Backstreet Boys song. The driver goes to turn it off when the man in the passenger seat says, it's cool, after which the driver gives him an incredulous glare. Oh, shut this off. It's cool. The passenger, plus the third worker sitting in the back seat, starts humming sheepishly under their breath along with the song. Then cut to. BP Gasoline Helps Clean. The ad plays to this modern notion in our country that such singing, or even singing itself, is not a macho blue collar worker type of thing. And if it is, it starts in somewhat of an embarrassed, apologetic way. As a conductor of church choirs, it is a constant struggle to get men to sign up. And for whatever reason, whether it's not manly or probably more likely, it's not important, it is interesting to look into the Bible at all the examples of singing and to see how male-dominated it is. Now, as we go through this, please keep in mind that this is not to downplay female involvement in music, sacred or otherwise. I did an entire episode on great women in music, citing examples from secular and biblical history. But this should bolster the importance of singing in particular and its importance for men. Though some religions would ban females from participating in worship singing, the Bible condones choral opportunities for both sexes. The Bible shows that King David and King Solomon employed singing men and singing women, and that the prophet Jeremiah led singing men and women in the lamentations over King Josiah's death. The Bible is also clear that singing is commanded of all God's people, regardless of gender and regardless of ability. We could call this congregational singing. But the Bible also talks about those who were more rehearsed to provide higher quality, special music. Some were virtuosi with instruments. The Bible mentions David being as such. Psalm 33, verse 3 says to play skillfully with a loud noise. And 2 Chronicles 34, 12 says that King Josiah's temple restoration favored those with skill. Some are specifically mentioned as being skilled as singers, such as Hananiah, who helped David bring the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. 2 Chronicles 23:13 mentions voice teachers in the temple. And 1 Chronicles 25, 7 numbers 288 for whom this was their profession in the temple service. The Bible is clear that the tabernacle, and later the temple, had well-trained choirs serving there. And in many biblical examples, if you could envision it, you'd be struck by an obvious detail. These choruses were male-dominated. When Nehemiah dedicated his newly repaired wall surrounding Jerusalem, Nehemiah 12, 27 through 29 says that he sought the Levites to perform music at this occasion. Verses 28 and 29 say, the sons of the singers gathered themselves together. And then it lists all of these different places from where they came. And then it says, for the singers had builded them villages round about Jerusalem. In verses 35 and 36, Nehemiah names certain princes and priests' sons with trumpets standing on the wall toward the dung gate. Leading that ensemble was Zechariah, a descendant of Asaph, plus eight of his relatives with musical instruments of David, the man of God. And that's the side Ezra was on. Opposite of that was Nehemiah and his group, eight priests with trumpets and seven singers. Verse 42 says, and the singers sang loud with Jezrehiah their overseer. Now, I'd like to read more thoroughly a few verses toward the end of this chapter. Verse 44 says, And at that time were some appointed over the chambers for the treasures, for the offerings, for the first fruits, and for the tithes, to gather into them out of the fields of the cities the portions of the law for the priests and Levites. For Judah rejoiced for the priests and for the Levites that waited. The Jews were excited to have this group of people waiting in these posts. Now let's read verses 45 through 47, again of Nehemiah 12. And both the singers and the porters kept the ward of their God and the ward of the purification according to the commandment of David and of Solomon his son. Verse 46, For in the days of David and Asaph of old there were chief of the singers and songs of praise and thanksgiving unto God. Verse 47, And all Israel in the days of Zerubbabel and in the days of Nehemiah gave the portions of the singers and the porters Every day his portion, and they sanctified holy things unto the Levites, and the Levites sanctified them unto the children of Aaron. The nation's tithes funded these positions from David and Solomon to eventually Zerubbabel and Nehemiah. Now, when Nehemiah wanted to dedicate the wall, he called in these brothers and cousins of this family living in the area outside Jerusalem. You needed them for a gig like this, and when the people heard them perform, these people were hearing their tax dollars at work, you could say. At this specific performance, notice what Nehemiah twelve forty three says. Also that day they offered great sacrifices and rejoiced, for God had made them rejoice with great joy. The wives also and the children rejoiced, so that the joy of Jerusalem was heard even afar off. The women and children added their voices to what was happening. So the Levitical singing appears to be specifically male, given this verse, plus the others that say each singer received his portion. As we read just a moment ago, Nehemiah mentioned how they were raising the ruins of how David and Asaph had established it. How had those men set it up? We will look at that. But beforehand, let's look more at this setup in Ezra and Nehemiah's time. For that, we'll go to Nehemiah 7. Here we find the genealogical record of those who returned from the 70-year Babylonian captivity with the governor Zerubbabel. This is also found in Ezra 2, though Nehemiah's numbers are slightly different. Ezra probably had updated his tally since he first recorded everything. Now, after verses and verses full of family names and numbers, verse 44 of Nehemiah 7 gives a specialized group that returned at this time. It reads, The singers the children of Asaph, 140 and 8. This was a unique segment of the Levitical tribe, children or literally sons of Asaph. This group is also mentioned in Nehemiah 10.26 and adds their wives, their sons, and their daughters. So these were likely 148 singing male descendants of this specific Levitical family. Verse 67 shows that 7,337 servants of both sexes returned with these Jews, and of those, there were 245 singing men and singing women. So even the servants of those coming back had a servant choir, you could say. And it was both sexes, and it doesn't note the ratio of men to women. So the Jews had kept this skill set alive through the captivity, and now they were going to rebuild Jerusalem. By Nehemiah's time, Zerubbabel had already built the temple, Ezra had come and beautified it, and the wall around Jerusalem was repaired and finished. Now, notice chapter 11, verse 1. And the rulers of the people dwelt at Jerusalem. The rest of the people also cast lots to bring one of ten to dwell in Jerusalem, the holy city, and nine parts to dwell in other cities. Basically, Jerusalem was populated by the priests and Levites, and then they had to tithe the population of Judah to bring others into headquarters. This chapter discusses how headquarters was then organized. Notice verses 22 and 23. The overseer also of the Levites at Jerusalem was Uzi, the son of Bani, the son of Hashabiah, the son of Mataniah, the son of Mekah. Of the sons of Asaph, the singers were over the business of the house of God. Verse 23 says, For it was the king's commandment concerning them that a certain portion should be for the singers due every day. Those with certain specialized ability and pedigree to sing were employed to do this, You can see an example of that in 1 Chronicles 9, which is a companion chapter to Nehemiah 11. In 1 Chronicles 9, Ezra is recording temple positions during this second temple period. Verses 22 and 23 of this chapter read, "...all these which were chosen to be porters in the gates were two hundred and twelve. These were reckoned by their genealogy in their villages, whom David and Samuel the seer did ordain in their set office." Verse 23 says, So they and their children had the oversight of the gates of the house of the Lord, namely the house of the tabernacle, by wards. Those offices and shifts were ordained by David and Samuel, and that's why Ezra and Nehemiah were interested in these genealogies, to put certain Levites in certain family positions as David and Samuel had set it up. Now notice verse 33, And these are the singers, chief of the fathers of the Levites, who remaining in the chambers were free, for they were employed in that work day and night. Here is full time employment for certain Levitical men, chief of the fathers of some of these branches in the family. These were the men, fathers, who were employed to sing let's pause here for some great male singing. I want to play you examples throughout the standard repertoire, the standard music history that we usually go through, starting back with the Baroque era. Now, back then, a male chorus wasn't that novel of an idea. Many religions used only men in their worship and boys for the soprano parts. So I want to play a male duet, and this is a unique duet because it's a duet for two basses rather than a tenor-based duet, as one might expect. This is from George Friedrich Handel's Orator israel in egypt this is the part of the work that sets the song of the red sea as found in exodus 15 this is specifically the verse that reads the lord is a man of war the lord is his name so for the lord is a man of war Handel chooses the low sounds of two men to carry this text we'll hear a recording from john elliott gardner leading the english baroque soloists That was a great bass duet from G.F. Handel's oratorio, Israel in Egypt. That movement is called The Lord is a Man of War. And we heard it from a recording featuring John Elliott Gardner leading the English Baroque soloists and basses Julian Clarkson and Christopher Pervez. We are discussing the art of singing on today's episode, especially as relates to men. We are highlighting the importance of singing men, as shown in the biblical record. It was an honorable and highly valued activity. It was clearly the career path for many in one particular tribe of ancient Israel, the Levites. Before that musical example, we were looking at the time of Ezra and Nehemiah and how they set up the temple service much like David had done in his time. Let's go back to David's reign and look at how he used the male Levites at his time. And for that, we look at a high point of his reign and when he really starts using those Levites. And that's when he moved the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. And that can be found in 1 Chronicles 15, which we've talked about on this program before. Verses 3 through 6 show how the Levites were gathered by six branches of their family. It lists a certain chief for these branches and how many men were in each branch. And you can add it up, and it comes to 868. And when you add the leading priests, Zadok and Abiathar, you get 870 men in this processional. Now let's read verses 16 and 19. And David spoke to the chief of the Levites to appoint their brethren to be the singers with instruments of music, psalteries, and harps and cymbals, sounding by lifting up the voice with joy. And then verses 17 and 18 list a number of musical men by name. And then verse 19, So the singers Hamon, Asaph, and Athan were appointed to sound with cymbals of brass. So from that group, the Levitical chiefs selected others to be the choir and orchestra, and among these, three were in top positions, which verses 17 and 18 tell us were from a branch of Levi's three sons. Haman, the son of Joel, which was the son of Samuel, of the Kohath branch, Asaph, son of Berechiah, of the Gershom branch, and Athan, later called Yeduthun, from the Merari branch. They all sounded with cymbals. Now, the following verses mention 14 names in the second degree of performers, eight on psalteries and the rest on harps. Verse 22 mentions Hananiah, chief of the Levites, who was for song. He instructed about the song because he was skillful, it says. Verse 27 shows that he was with the singers, So there were other singers. Verse 24 then names seven priests who did blow with trumpets before the ark. So picture it. If this last group is in front of the ark, these seven went first, then there were two doorkeepers in front of the ark, as they're called, then Zadok and Abiathar probably carrying it, then two more doorkeepers behind the ark, then the choir master and a choir and the orchestra behind them with three leaders using cymbals to keep the rhythm steady. The majority of these hundreds of Levitical males already mentioned would have been either in the choir or, as verses 25 through 29 point out, helping in animal sacrifices along the way. The next chapter, 1 Chronicles 16, shows how sacrifices were made once the ark reached the tent that David had pitched for it. Verses 4 through 7 read, "...and he appointed certain of the Levites to minister before the ark of the eternal, and to record and to thank and praise the eternal God of Israel." Verses 5 to 6, then list men who were to serve with Asaph. Nine names are listed from the original band of 14 in the procession. And then dropping down to verse 37, it says, So he left there before the Ark of the Covenant of the Eternal, Asaph and his brethren, to minister before the Ark continually as every day's work required. Notice this was required work. And this was Asaph's family in Jerusalem near the Ark. The actual tabernacle was still in Gibeon, as verses 39 through 41 point out, and that's where Haman and Yedu served, where the daily sacrifices would take place for the time being. It says Haman and Yeduthan would give thanks to the Eternal there, and probably the rest who were named back in chapter 15 were with them. Other verses point out that Haman specifically was a singer, and that David set up singers permanently in that location until everything was consolidated at the temple under King Solomon. Now, before we get to Solomon's example, let's see an example from the end of David's life. This is actually that brief period when he's in a co-regency with his son Solomon. First Chronicles 26, 31 shows that this was in the 40th year of David's reign. But the verses I want to draw attention to are in 1 Chronicles 23. Verses 1 through 3 show that just the Levitical men numbered 38,000. Now, notice verses 4 and 5, of which... 20 and 4,000 were to set forward the work of the house of the eternal, and 6,000 were officers and judges. Verse 5, moreover, 4,000 were porters, and 4,000 praised the eternal with the instruments which I made, said David, to praise therewith. So 4,000 of these 38,000 men praised the eternal with instruments which I made david said and in 1st chronicles 25 we see how david organizes some of those men into certain shifts or courses 24 throughout the year to be exact and we see that david's three chief musicians from each of those three main levitical branches had exactly enough sons old enough by this point to fill these posts in each of these shifts these 24 men were accompanied by 11 other male relatives during each course meaning that each course had 12 Levitical men serving. 24 courses times 12 men is 288. And notice verse 7 of First Chronicles 25, So the number of them with their brethren that were instructed in the songs of the Eternal, even all that were cunning or able to teach, was 204 score and 8, 288. And every single one of those 288, it says, were cunning. We see these families in action. When Solomon finally dedicates the temple, in 2 Chronicles 5, he is assembling the elders of Israel, heads of the tribes, bringing the Ark of the Covenant to the temple grounds just before the Feast of Tabernacles that year. Verses 3 and 4 show us that all the men of Israel assembled themselves unto the king, and all the elders of Israel came, and the Levites took up the Ark. Verse 6 says that Solomon and all the congregation of Israel that were assembled unto him before the ark sacrificed sheep and oxen, which could not be told nor numbered for multitude. So it wasn't just men there, but all the congregation. Verse 11 confirms that all the Aaronite priests were there, and they did not wait by course, so there were no shifts at this time. It was all hands on deck. The same was true of the Levites who were the singers, as verse 12 shows us. Let's read that. Also the Levites, which were the singers, all of them of Asaph, of Haman, of Yeduthun, with their sons and their brethren, being arrayed in white linen, having cymbals and psalteries and harps, stood at the east end of the altar, and with them a hundred and twenty priests, sounding with trumpets." What a stunning male chorus and brass ensemble. We've read about this occasion repeatedly on this program, so we'll pause here for another example from standard music history. We already heard something from the Baroque era, the mid-18th century. Let's hear something from the early 19th century. Male choruses can start to be found in operas, and that's true of Karl-Maria von Weber's opera Der Freischütz. This is the famous Huntsman's Chorus from that opera, performed by the Slovak Philharmonic Choir, the Slovak Radio Symphony Orchestra, under the baton of Johannes Viltner. You are listening to Music for Life. I'm your host, Ryan Malone. This is KPCG. Today we are exploring the prestigious career of singing, especially for men, as is evidenced throughout the biblical record. To accompany our discussion, we have also been listening to some great examples of male ensemble singing going chronologically through standard music history. We just heard a male chorus from the early 19th century from an opera by Karl Maria von Weber named Der Freischutz. That was Huntsman's Chorus performed by the Slovak Philharmonic Choir and Johannes Wiltner conducting the Slovak Radio Symphony Orchestra. We're going to continue our biblical historical discussion by skipping ahead to the time of King Hezekiah and his first Passover as king after restoring the temple. 2 Chronicles 29 verses 11 through 15 show the Levites who were used at this time. And this time, we see the Levitical branches have shifted slightly. At David's moving of the ark, there were six branches besides the Aaronite Levites. Now there are seven branches, and three of them come directly from the three main Levitical musicians in David's service, Asaph, Haman, and Yeduthan. Recall that these three musical men themselves each came from the three main Levite branches from Levite's three sons, but now their descendants represent their own branch." After cleaning up the temple, the king commanded that the burnt offering and the sin offering should be made for all Israel. That's verse 24 of Second Chronicles 29. Now verse 25 reads, And he set the Levites in the house of the Eternal with cymbals, with psalteries, and with harps, according to the commandment of David, and of Gad the king's seer, and Nathan the prophet, for so was the commandment of the Eternal by his prophets." Hezekiah is restoring the temple's musical order here. Verse 28 shows, And all the congregation worshipped, and the singers sang, and the trumpeters sounded, and all this continued until the burnt offering was finished. Verse 30 shows that Hezekiah the king and the princes probably including Isaiah the prophet, commanded the Levites to sing praise unto the Eternal with the words of David and of Asaph the seer, and they sang praises with gladness, and they bowed their heads and worshipped. You can read how people started bringing so many animals to sacrifice, there weren't enough priests to handle it, so the Levites helped, as verse 34 says, for the Levites were more upright in heart to sanctify themselves than the priests. Verse 35 confirms, So the service of the house of the eternal was set in order. The restoration wasn't finished in time for Passover that year, so Hezekiah decreed that they'd keep the second Passover in Jerusalem, which is set for a month later. He invited the neighboring Israelites, too, only a few of which responded. Now, we can read about this in Second Chronicles 30, which has another musical event worth looking at. Verse 21 reads, And the children of Israel that were present at Jerusalem kept the Feast of Unleavened Bread seven days with great gladness, and the Levites and the priests... Praised the Eternal day by day, singing with loud instruments unto the Eternal. The chronicler stresses the Levites and priests were praising with mighty instruments. Verse 22 says, And Hezekiah spoke comfortably unto all the Levites who taught the good knowledge of the Eternal. He praised these musical Levites who were teaching the good knowledge of the eternal. After all this was finished, verse two of the next chapter says, Hezekiah appointed the courses of the priests and the Levites after their courses, every man according to his service, the priests and Levites for burnt offerings and for peace offerings, to minister and to give thanks and to praise in the gates of the tents of the eternal. He reinstituted those Levitical shifts as founded by David. Verse 4 says, Moreover, he commanded the people that dwelt in Jerusalem to give the portion of the priests and the Levites that they might be encouraged in the law of the eternal. So he reinstituted the national funding for the Levites that they might be encouraged in the law, it says. We see a similar temple restoration later under King Josiah, which can be found in 2 Chronicles 34. The Levites Josiah tapped for the job are mentioned in verse 12, quote, And the men did the work faithfully, and the overseers of them were Yahath and Obadiah, the Levites, of the sons of Merari, and Zechariah and Meshulam, of the sons of the Kohathites, to set it forward, and other of the Levites, all that could skill of instruments of music, unquote. So skilled musicians were put in leadership positions during this restoration. We read about another Passover season in 2 Chronicles 35, verse 2. It says, And he, Josiah, set the priests in their charges and encouraged them to the service of the house of the eternal. Verse 3 says, And said unto the Levites who taught all Israel, who were holy unto the eternal, Put the holy ark in the house which Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, did build. It shall not be a burden upon your shoulders. Serve now the eternal your God and his people Israel. Verse 4, and prepare yourselves by the house of your fathers after your courses, according to the writing of David, king of Israel, and according to the writing of Solomon, his son. Verse 5, and stand in the holy place according to the divisions of the families of the fathers of your brethren, the people, and after the division of the families of the Levites. To start the year, Josiah said the Levites were to restore the Davidic courses. Verse 19 tells us this was the 18th year of King Josiah. Verse 10 says, So the service was prepared and the priests stood in their place and the Levites in their courses according to the king's commandment. Verse 15 further elaborates, And the singers, the sons of Asaph, were in their place, according to the commandment of David and Asaph and Haman and Yeduthan the king's seers. And the porters waited at every gate. They might not depart from their service, for their brethren the Levites prepared for them. This musical Levitical branch was represented, and so here is another impressive male chorus. The rest of this chapter shows how Josiah met an untimely death, and notice how the musicians responded. Second Chronicles thirty-five twenty-five tells us, And Jeremiah lamented for Josiah, and all the singing men and the singing women spoke of Josiah in their lamentations to this day, and made them an ordinance in Israel, and behold, they are written in the lamentations. It notes that singing women also participated. Now, not too long after Josiah's death, Jerusalem was sacked by Nebuchadnezzar. The Jews were taken captive for 70 years until Cyrus conquered Babylon. The second temple was built then by Zerubbabel, completed around 515 B.C., Ezra came along just under 60 years later in the seventh year of Artaxerxes to beautify the temple. About 13 years after that, in the 20th year of Artaxerxes, Nehemiah came to Jerusalem. So now we circle back to the time period we began this program with. You can join me in Nehemiah 13 if you'd like. Here's the context. 12 years after all the events we read about at the beginning, Nehemiah goes back to Artaxerxes in Persia, and this is the 32nd year of Artaxerxes' reign. And while Nehemiah was gone, The temple service got neglected. Let's see this in more detail here. And I want to start wrapping up with this account because it shows just how important music was to the temple service. Nehemiah 13.4 says, And before this, Eliashib the priest, having the oversight of the chamber of the house of our God, was allied unto Tobiah. Eliashib was the high priest at this time, and he was the grandson of Joshua, who was high priest during Zerubbabel's time. Now this Eliashib was allied with Tobiah, which is ominous if you know the story of Nehemiah building the wall. His chief enemies were Tobiah and a man named Sanballat. It was Tobiah's and Sanballat's opposition that inspired Nehemiah to finish the wall around Jerusalem so quickly, in fact. Verse 28 of this chapter says the high priest's son had even married a daughter of Sanballat. Nehemiah says, Therefore I chased him from me. So when he comes back to Jerusalem, he sees the high priest in league with Tobiah, the high priest's son married to Sanballat's daughter. And now, what does this have to do with the singers? Verse 5 And he, the high priest, had prepared for him, Tobiah, a great chamber where aforetime they laid the meat offerings, the frankincense, and the vessels, and the tithes of the corn, the new wine, and the oil, which was commanded to be given to the Levites and the singers and the porters and the offerings of the priests. See, there was this great room where all the resources were set aside for the singers, porters, and priests, but the high priest kicked them out so Tobiah could have an office there. In verse 7, Nehemiah says, And I came to Jerusalem and understood all of the evil that Eliashib did for Tobiah in preparing him a chamber in the courts of the house of God. Continuing in verses 8 and 9, And it grieved me sore. Therefore I cast forth all the household stuff of Tobiah out of the chamber. Verse 9 says, Then I commanded, and they cleansed the chambers, and there brought I again the vessels of the house of God with the meat offering and the frankincense. Nehemiah cast forth all the household stuff of Tobiah out of the chamber. So what happened to the singers? Verse 10 says, "And I perceived that the portions of the Levites had not been given them, for the Levites and the singers that did the work were fled, every one to his field." See, the singers had no provisions. So they had to go work the fields themselves. It wasn't that singing wasn't real work, but when it came to eating and surviving, well, music would have to be secondary. How easy is it to think, well, working a field, that's real work, but singing isn't. But Nehemiah said, look, those guys who did the work of singing, they shouldn't be in their fields. Let other people work the fields. These men have special training and special skills. In verses 11 and 12, he says, Then contended I with the rulers and said, Why is the house of God forsaken? And I gathered them together and set them in their place. Then brought all Judah the tithe of the corn and the new wine and the oil unto the treasuries. Notice how it continues in verses 13 and 14. And I made treasurers over the treasuries, Shelemiah the priest and Zadok the scribe and of the Levites, Padiah, And next to them was Hanan the son of Zakur, the son of Mataniah, for they were counted faithful and their office was to distribute unto their brethren. Verse 14, Nehemiah says, Remember me, O my God, concerning this and wipe not out my good deeds that I have done for the house of my God and for the offices thereof. Nehemiah then addresses other problems weakening the Jewish religion and family at that time. And then verses 30 and 31 read, Thus cleansed I them from all strangers, and appointed the wards of the priests and the Levites, everyone in his business. Verse 31, And for the wood offering, at times appointed, and for the firstfruits, remember me, O my God, for good. And that's how the book of Nehemiah ends, with a continual struggle to get temple business set up properly. And part of that was making sure that everyone saw the need for the singers to be taken care of when they were serving the temple, that even the high priest valued their contribution properly. Even before that, we saw how these male Levitical singers were always the ones put in charge of the temple restoration projects. This indicates that they would have known how the temple should work, given their level of education and their literacy and all that, but also how connected music and singing were to the temple service itself. Let's pause for another musical example. This is a great male chorus from another German opera, and this is arguably Richard Wagner's most beloved opera of the many long-winded ones he wrote. This is the famous Pilgrim's Chorus from Tannhäuser. This is a recording from the Berlin-Deutsche Stadtopera Chorus with the Berlin Staatskapelle under Otmar Sweetener. are listening to Music for Life. I'm your host, Ryan Malone. This is KPCG. Today we have explored the prestigious career of singing, especially for men, as is evidenced throughout the biblical record. We have explored this in the times of kings like David, Solomon, Hezekiah, and Josiah, as well as the efforts of Jeremiah, Ezra, and Nehemiah in particular. To accompany our discussion, we have also been listening to some great examples of male ensemble singing going chronologically through standard music history. We just heard the famous Pilgrim's Chorus from the opera Tannhäuser by Richard Wagner, and that heavily features a male chorus. We heard a recording from the Berlin-Deutsche Staatsoper Chorus with the berlin Staatskapelle under Ottmar Sweetner. I find it tremendously inspiring to go through the biblical record to see how much God values music and singing as both a pastime and a career as an activity for both amateurs and professionals. Music is important to humanity's enrichment, and the Bible reveals that it is also essential to our spiritual development. And I want to leave you with one thought regarding that. And this can be found at the end of a new booklet we have about the importance of music, which I covered on our previous episode. The booklet's called How God Values Music. And in the final chapter, I talk about something remarkable about the essential nature of music as found in the Scriptures. And I want to leave you with that thought here. The last nine chapters of Ezekiel devote space to a unique temple, As our booklet on Ezekiel points out, no temple has ever been made with these measurements, so this temple has yet to be constructed. This prophetic temple will be the one from which the Messiah is prophesied to rule at his coming. Ezekiel devotes a great deal of space describing all the structures on this campus, so to speak. We have a model of this temple in the administration building on our campus as researched and constructed by an artist and Philadelphia Church of God minister, the late Gary Rethford. The highest building on the campus is, as expected, the sanctuary, its portico standing over 24 stories tall. But in terms of square footage the structure that takes up the most square footage of any of the campus buildings is called the Chambers of the Singers. And you can read about that in Ezekiel 40, verse 44. These large rooms flank the northeast and south borders of the inner court and face the sanctuary. The east inner court gate cuts right between them, and these chambers take up approximately a whopping 55,000 square feet. For sake of comparison, that's roughly 22% larger than the square footage of Armstrong Auditorium. Compared to other structures at the Ezekiel Temple campus, namely the sanctuary and the large west building behind the sanctuary where instruction will likely take place, these chambers of the singers have a larger footprint than both of these large buildings combined, than both the sanctuary and the west building combined. Considering how these temple grounds are simply a type of God's heavenly throne room, it should not come as a surprise that based on the size and location of these rooms, these singers' quarters will be such a prominent component of this future temple. Yes, music and singing have always been eternally important, and they will continue to be wherever God's culture prevails. The booklet How God Values Music is available on thetrumpet.com. You can order a free copy of it, or you can download an EPUB, Kindle, or PDF version of it right now if you'd like. Keep in mind that you can follow Music for Life on social media at the handle Music for Life PCG. Also, our SoundCloud page has all our past episodes. It also has some special segments that we've put there at the top of the page. And of course, you can rate and review us at iTunes. We appreciate any comments or feedback you have. Hopefully this episode has encouraged some of our singing men to get more involved. And I want to leave you with one final example of male singing. This is a famous American folk song performed by the famed American male chorus known as Chanticleer. This group employs men of all vocal ranges to capture the wide spectrum of range possible in choral ensembles. And this is their recording of Shenandoah. I hope you enjoy.